You've been fortunate to invest in several dozen companies. When we started, we had no idea what we were doing. If you are planning to get into this, you cannot do it to make money. Imagine this money that you've set aside. Visualize you setting fire to this pile of money. That is how it is going to be. What do you see good angel investors do? You don't actually need to just invest the earlier stage companies. That's a bit controversial. Angel investing by nature of it always seems to be about early, early stage. Best thing that can happen to you as an angel investor. Without any prior friendships, relationships, network, how do you get into angel investing? I think the first thing you should think about doing is ladies and gentlemen welcome to another exciting episode of the Arthi and Sriram show woohoo yeah we're back after a week off in a new location but we're so excited to have you here now if this is your first time here first of all I just want to say thank you we really appreciate it if it's not your first time thank you for coming back now one thing that would really really help us out uh before we get into this amazing episode is if you could give us a bunch of love on all the platforms. So wherever you're listening this, listening or watching this, if you're on YouTube, hit subscribe, click the bell icon. If you're on Spotify or Apple, uh, you know, go subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, show us all the algorithmic love because, you know, that's what uh, helps us keep this going. But with that, Arthi, what do we Yeah, I mean, we, uh, just a quick note on that too, right? We've realized that with podcasts, the only way to get discovered is to basically, if you leave a review, that really counts. So if you've enjoyed an episode, a specific episode, or you just like listening to us, leave a quick review. It should take you 30 seconds. Uh, it'll go a really long way in just finding, getting other people like yourself to discover uh, this podcast. Shriram, you realize we've been doing this for uh, almost to the day, like almost three years now? I know, I know. It's, it's well, that's a long time. It's crazy. Yeah, um, it's been so much fun to just do this. Um, and, you know, we've, we've uh, moved cities, we've moved countries, and we've still, like, tried to keep at it. So thanks for just all the support and encouragement. Um, with that, uh, we have a really interesting episode um, so, that we've been preparing for for today. One of the things that uh, we've been thinking of is for 2024, uh, we went around and polled a few of you and asked uh, what would be helpful or what would be interesting. What do you want to get into? What do you want to learn? What do you want to do better off? Uh, and uh, and just like get a sense of that. And one topic that came up uh, was uh, investing or very specifically angel investing. So in tech startups, how to get into angel investing if you've never done this before. And, you know, we don't want to assume who you are, what your profile is. So we're going to cover like a broad range of like who you might be, what your background might be. But generally today, we thought we would do an episode on if you want to get into angel investing, how do you do it? What are some good like best practices? What have we seen both on the angel investing side? Both Sriram and I have went through this journey um, and also on the founder side, like what is helpful and what is not helpful. So that's that's the episode for today. You know, one important thing we should say uh, is this is not financial advice of any kind. Um, and, you know, um, you know, th there's a bunch of legalese that you can consult below the episode, but uh, always, you know, obviously make it own decisions and, uh, you know, go consult your financial expert. So this is not advice of any kind. But that is actually maybe an interesting segue into maybe, you know, the first theme, which I think a lot of people would think about, which is why get into it in the first place like are they like so uh, uh, i know that's kind of like a very frequent uh question and the the most important thing I, I like to tell people when we have this conversation is if you're going to start getting into angel investing 
Um, and both Aarti and I have a long history of doing angel investing. We have, you know, for the last like six, seven years, we, uh, you know, this is obviously before I joined uh, my current job where I now do investing full time. We've been fortunate to invest in probably, I would say, you know, several dozen companies, uh, if yeah. not more, uh, in a personal capacity, which basically means using our money. Uh, and um, and when we when we started, we had no idea what we were doing. We are probably in a similar situation to uh, a lot of your a lot of listeners here, which is like, hey, I want to do this. I see a lot of people doing this. Um, I don't know exactly how to get started. How much money should I spend? Um, you know, how do I make money? Am I going to lose money? How do I even know um, who are the right founders to contact? What makes a good investment? A lot of these questions. And over the years, we have been lucky do you know wind up uh, partnering with many many amazing founders uh and uh, which were super thrilled about and learned a lot of lessons uh good and bad uh, along the way so in some ways i think this is a combination of a lot of lessons we have learned but maybe the first place to start off with arti and you know kind of just get your thoughts after this is why should you angel invest and why get into it in the uh the first place and i'm going to make a very controversial or maybe a suggestion that some of you are not expecting, which is if you are planning to get into this, uh, you cannot do it to make money. So if, you, if you're watching the episode and you're thinking, hey, I'm going to get a bunch of financial tips and uh, I'm going to get rich, this is not that episode. Um, and uh, that might strike you as weird because you probably all heard stories about people getting into, say, the seed round of a Facebook or, uh, you know, or an Uber or pick your uh, huge company and getting really wealthy. And the reason I say this is that uh, angel investing is an art form and it is going to take you a long period of time to kind of understand how it works, uh, what the systems are. You might get very, very lucky right off the get-go. Maybe your first investment is the next Facebook or the next Google, uh, in which case, congratulations. But the odds are probably against you. And so what I tell people off the bat is, if you're planning to do this, uh, set aside some amount of money. And this amount of money is going to be different for each of you uh, for the first year. And plan on never seeing this money again. Mm. Okay, You're going to mm. be like, this has disappeared from my bank accounts or whatever form of uh, you know capital you're pulling from. And you're never, ever going to see this ever again. It's going to go to zero. Uh, and... Your objective, I think, for the first year or maybe over a year is to just to understand how pretty much the rest of the episode we talk about, understand how to do this and build your own systems. Uh, and I don't know what the amount of money is for you. Consult your financial advisor uh, or your spouse or who you talk to, but uh, just plan on like it going to zero. Yeah, and if, if you go in with the mindset, if you generally go in that mindset and you want to learn something, you might actually have some fun along the way. But Arthi, I don't know, what, what do you think? Um, I I think you're right. I think um, angel investing is not for everyone. Uh, you shouldn't do it because your friend is doing it or you just heard that somebody made a lot of money and that's kind of why you want to do it. So I think I agree with that. I do think angel investing can be very valuable and you should do it for the right set of reasons. And if you do it and if you decide to, if you're here in this episode listening because you've already decided that you want to just get into angel investing, which is writing small checks into startups. Like that's generally what we call angel investing uh, into tech startups as such. There are benefits to it, but the financial side of it, it's like buying a lottery ticket and expecting to like win. And uh, 
you know, the odds are just stacked against you uh, from a financial standpoint. Uh, that's not a reason to not do it, but you need to make sure that you have the right reasons for it. Right? So that's one part of it. The other part of it is, again, like you said, appetite, risk appetite is different for each person. Just because your friend's putting in X amount of money or set aside like, or is investing in, I don't know, 20 companies this year, uh, you don't have to do the same thing. You can have a different cadence, velocity, check sizes. So figure out what is what you want to do and what you're okay with. I think somebody told us this when I think a decade ago when we started, Shriram, just like imagine this money that you've set aside in like just these bank notes in a pile mm. and you're setting fire to it. Uh, like visualize you setting fire to this pile of money. That is how it is going to be. And you should be okay with it. And if you think, oh my God, I can't afford to pay bills next month because this money pile is on fire, then you shouldn't probably be getting into this. So get your like priorities right. Uh, think about it as, uh, you know, um, income money that you've set aside that you're okay setting aside as such. And it going to zero. Um, you know, when I give the speech, people are always shocked because they come in and they think, you know, we're going to give them the secrets to uh, wealth. And I'm like, well, you're never going to see this money again. And maybe then, then the, maybe the interesting question that follows is why do it? And I think the reason to do it is, uh, well, eventually, you know, you're going to learn and maybe good good at it. And eventually, this might take a while, you do wind up actually figuring out uh, how to make great investments. But uh, I, I think Honestly, the most rewarding part of angel investing for me is to get to work with great founders, uh, be a little part of uh, the trajectories and the stories of many companies, mm -hmm. uh, great companies, uh, some companies that have not done so well. It is a very rewarding experience. And I actually think that's maybe one of the best reasons to uh, go do it. Yeah. So wait, so, sorry. Why, why do you get into angel investing? Or I, I, I want to specifically hone in on your story, you know. Many years ago, when you first started to think about, I have to get into angel investing, what was the triggering point? What was it that you were trying to get to? Why did you get into angel investing? I think the genuine answer is, at the time, I wish I had an episode like this, but because I felt a little bit of, I would say, FOMO, where I was going, okay, here are a lot of friends I have and people I know, and they are... I am helping a bunch of founders work with a lot of founders, uh, but my friends, and this was many, many years ago, and my friends are actually willing to participate and doing this thing called angel investing. And we all know the stories, right? We heard of Larry and Sergey getting their first uh, check from, you know, I think it was it Andy Beck's first time, uh, or some of these legendary stories of people raising their first check. And you go, okay, well, what does it mean for you know me to be there? And so there was kind of a sense of curiosity and I think there was one of one founder who was kind of kind enough to offer us the opportunity, which kind of like got us into this in the first place. Um, and once you got in, uh, I think one of the, in retrospect, valuable things I did was I went and asked people how to do it. Uh, and I think a couple of people, I think, gave me very good advice. One of them, I think, we could be very helpful was Elad Gelb, who I seeked out like many, many years ago. He had fantastic advice for me on how to do this. I think he pretty much gave me a version of the same speech, which was, you're going to lose all your money. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> and uh, and then you're off to the race. So I wish I could pinpoint a particular reason. I think it was a combination of, I see a lot of other people doing it. 
I'm working with a bunch of these founders. I know them when they start companies. Or you see the TechCrunch article, you're like, I knew, I knew that founder. Should I have participated? Uh, and trying to sort of understand this. And this is obviously long before my career as a full-time investor. This was way when I was just a operator doing product yeah, roles. I see that. I think for me, one of the other reasons was, uh, and you know, this we've done an episode on just networking and what to do there, that kind of thing. So if you haven't listened to it, you should. But I kind of saw angel investing as a way to network, right? And uh, and this is networking with this cohort of founders who I think were very interesting. And you know, I already have my own company or a job. I was not going to go. Like I was very happy with what my, I was doing with my career. So I was not going to go work for this founder. You know, I wanted to help them. I wanted to offer support and I wanted to just get to know them, be in touch with them. So this felt like a way for me to like write a small check and be involved and be able to like learn how the founder was thinking about things, were scaling the business and just like get this front row access. And it sounds really weird, but for me, that is the most rewarding part of angel investing. And uh, that was kind of like why I wanted to get into that. The other part of it was networking with um, other similar angel investors, you know, uh, and uh, especially if you're in Silicon Valley, and I'm sure every you know city geo uh, has this particular kind of setting where there is this cohort of angel investors uh, who all know each other and who will all refer each other when a founder pitches to them or is like interested in uh, fundraising. And mm -hmm. I wanted to be in that circle and I wasn't. And uh, I felt like I had to establish credibility by first, you know, finding my own set of companies, investing in them and proving that, you know, I could do this and I like have a track record of this so that I could get into this like circle of angel investors who were all like these amazing product leaders, engineering leaders and so on. They were just doing this as like a side thing. So to me, angel investing felt like a way to find good cohorts of people that I wanted to get to know and uh, network with them. Yeah, I agree. By the way, I think you hit on something which is maybe the best part of your listening, which is it gives you an excuse to be connected to a company. You know, years have gone by and your kind of lives have, you know, sometimes you meet people and you drift away, things yeah. come up. But when you're an investor, even if it is the smallest of amount of money, you're forever connected to the company in some shape or form. And that's brilliant. You just, you, you, you're, you're kind of signing up for a ticket on the journey, which I think is brilliant. Okay. Maybe one thing we should kind of get started on is what is the way to like really just get started, right? Like how do you get started? What is a good way to go actually so, get uh, started? Right. Right. How do you get into angel investing? So it depends on who you are and what your profile is, right? So I guess, Sriram, to, to you, what if you are new to the scene per se, right? Like you don't have an existing network. You don't know any of these founders. You just are curious about it. You've read about it. You've watched, listened to podcasts about it. You just want to figure it out, right? Like you just want to like get into the scene. How, uh, without any prior you know, friendships, relationships, network. How do you get into angel investing? Okay, so this is sort of the playbook I followed, and I think this is the playbook a lot of folks should follow. I think the first thing you should think about doing is try and figure out what is your offering to a founder. Because when you're starting off as an angel investor, actually, you don't need money. Maybe let's start that, right? The first thing you should think about is, people ask me, like, how much money do I need? Yeah. And the reality is, and, you know, for someone working in, say technology and you've been around for a little bit of time, 
you don't need a lot of money at all. Like we have all written angel checks for five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. You know, some of them. You know, and I think if you are in having a job for ten, fifteen years, that is not a huge amount of money, probably, if you work in tech. And uh, so you can just start with very, very little amounts of money. So here's what I suggest people do. The first is uh, let's use some round numbers. Right? Let us say you're going to say I'm going to set aside uh, $100,000 uh, over the next few years and I'm going to be happy if I never see this amount of money again. Again, this may be a lot of money for some of you, maybe not a lot of money for some of you, that is picking a round number. And then I want you to divide it uh, by say $5,000 or $10,000, right? So let's say you say $100,000, I'm going to write you know, 10, $10,000 checks and investments and i'm going to do it over the next year two years whatever be the time period and remember you're never going to see a hundred thousand dollars again once you've done that you know uh, you know that actually gives you basically a number of shots on goal it gives you like 10 opportunities to go basically partner with and learn from a company okay so how do you actually go allocate the 10 so the first thing i think i think you want to do uh, after you've done this is to try and figure out what is your product to a founder so what does it mean so when you're a founder, and especially if you are a good founder, a lot of people, you know, are be, are probably going to be giving you money, all right? Um, and it has to be worth your time often as a founder even. If you're going to meet, say, somebody who's not new to angel invest, somebody who's not done this before, um, maybe not seen as an angel investor, which I'll get to, and you you were like, hey, I'm going to take your money and I'm going to you know put you on the cap table and a lot of process on that. It, what, what is the reason? And I think the first thing I tell people is like, you need to figure out what the reason for that founder is. And, mm -hmm. and this is where you need to sort of shape yourself as a product. And that could be any number of things. So for example, let us say you are a, a, a product manager. You say, look, I am the product manager angel investor, right? And you can make it very specific. Let us say you work in a SaaS company and you've built uh, amazing SaaS products, you you say, look, I know the ins and outs of SaaS product management. I'm going to help you. Here's a bunch of advice. And I want to continue working with you, helping you. And you, that becomes a sharp brand, which is very important because for the founder, if you're meeting them for the first time uh, or somebody introducing you, they need something to, what is this person really about before they even have chemistry? And oh, this is the SaaS product person. You could be any number of things, right? You could be the designer. Everyone wants designers. Yeah, you know, you could be a technical engineer. Amazing. Uh, you could bring any number of things. Maybe your values, your network. You know a lot of uh, really interesting people in the arena. But you need to sort of really sharpen and hone your product. Uh, um, because what it's going to give you is it's going to give you a reason to be on that cap table where people are going to be like, oh, okay, here's my lead investor. Here's my you know friends that I know for a while. I need to get in. Yeah. You know, and here's this angel who is known for this and this person who's famous for that. And oh, this person, I like this person and they're going to give me a bunch of advice or connections on it. So, and I want you to really sharpen that. And I think a lot of people just fail at this, right? And it took me a long time to figure it out. So when I started doing this, I would be like, uh, okay, I, I was at product roles for a long period of time, uh, been on the block, had a lot of experience. I would meet them and I would see people would like me, but they wouldn't really know where to fit me. And over years, I was like, okay, I'm going to give you product and operational advice. And sometimes it's very relevant if you're a consumer. Sometimes building a deep tech company is less relevant, but that was your my thing for a period of time. And that really helped me. So that was the first part. So you need to sort of evaluate what is your product. The second thing I would say 
is, uh, you know, a lot of people say like, okay, uh, I have, uh, uh, I have that, whatever, I'm a designer, I'm a design investor. Uh, how do I actually start finding these investments? Um, and I think the first thing you need to do is realize that you might have a fantastic reputation brand as a technology leader, executive, product person, operator, whatever the case may be. But that does not mean, and it definitely does not mean that you have a reputation as an angel investor. Now, this is actually really important and subtle because I, I remember like many, many years ago, I would be like, hey, you know, so why am I, why is no one sending me these, you know, super hot investments that I keep reading about on TechCrunch, right? Like, why is that not happening? Like, you know, I was mildly offended. And it turns out that a lot of people would have loved to send me those uh, investments, except they had no idea I was right. the kind of person who would write uh, angel checks. Uh, right. And so you need to, it, once I, I realized that, that flipped for me. And so once you kind of decided to do this, I would try and reach out to anybody in your network, right? And if yeah. you're in Silicon Valley, if you're in tech, you definitely have people in your network that are already uh, doing this. And say, hey, you know, I'm starting to go angel investing. Next time you see something, um, you know, uh, let me know how it can be helpful. This is these are these are the ways I can add value. Now, some some of you may say, okay, listen, uh, I don't have a network. I'm not in Silicon Valley, or I don't know these angel investors. Like, what do I do? Okay, pro tip: every company which announces a funding round. Uh, always has capacity to take in smaller investors, right? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of founders are going to be mad at me, but the reality is if somebody is raising a $10 million, $50 million, like Series A or a smaller seed round, they can always find a way to squeeze in a $5,000, $10,000 check. By the way, later in this episode, we should, we're going to talk about why as a founder it's actually good for you to squeeze in these checks. And uh, so if you know nothing else, what I would do is to say, uh, you know, if you find a company which you find really interesting and maybe you saw the PR announcement or maybe you saw some piece on a post on them, reach out to the founder uh, or get an introduction, send a very, very thoughtful email about you, the value you can add and set up a meeting, right? And we should get into what happens in the meeting later, but set up a meeting, but really sort of pitch yourself as an investor and go with that. So I think that gets you up the starting blocks. What are the, you know, what do you think? What has sort of gotten you of the starting blocks? Yeah, so uh, I agree with all of that. I think one thing that I want to tell people who are starting to get into this is uh, angel investing is a sales process. If you are just getting into it, you have to pitch yourself to the founder. Uh, and I think many of the first timers at least kind of forget that. There is this like weird equation with, uh, I'm giving you the money, it's my money. Why do I have to sell myself to you? Turns out that these founders, especially if they're like founders who have a track record, repeat founders, or just, you know, it's a hot company, uh, just doing well, there's traction. Turns out they have a lot of people willing to write them checks. So you are going to have to stand out and it is a sales process. It is a pitch for you. Uh, and you have to figure out why the founder should be taking money from you. And I want to kind of put this out there to people who are like trying to get into this because I've often seen angels come in from this perspective of like, I'm writing a check, so what are you doing? What are you building? And, you know, um, and that just doesn't work, especially if you're dealing with founders who are who have a lot of options, right? Uh, that's one. Um, I think two, cold emails work. Um, uh -huh. I've angel invested in companies where, you know, people have sent me an exceptional cold email 
Um, they've picked on something that I've either built in the past and I can add value on, or they are they've like pointed to an episode they've listened to that's like made a difference for them. They've like done their homework and they've reached out, um, or they would just send me a note saying, "This is what I'm building. This is what's going well. These are the challenges that I have," and I am just like. I would I I want to like know the founder more. I want to like mm-hmm. figure out how to go help them, and good things have come out of it. You know, founders cold emailing, reaching out to angel investors, but also as an angel, I've cold emailed founders, being like, "Hey, I saw this article about you, or I saw what you're building. I checked out your product. I I got an invite. Yeah, I know you're in beta. Or yeah, I saw the test flight version. I've reached out to founders and uh, tried to figure out like." Uh, what do they do? What are they building? Um, you know, how would I use it? How have I used it? Product feedback, that kind of thing. So, if you come from a place of curiosity as an angel investor, uh, I think it goes a really long way. And you have to come from a place of like wanting to help, uh, offering to help, or offering feedback, offering advice, offering. Hey, I have this candidate who would be a really good fit for. I don't know if you are hiring for this role, but I have this. But come from a place of like trying to be helpful and trying to offer value and i think those are like if you have no prior network and you've never done this before sending a really good cold email and offering value and offering like very specific tangible help goes a really long way i think you're saying something profound because for a lot of people listening to this they're thinking okay i'm going to listen to pitches i'm going to decide whether to give people money or not but if you're getting started that is not going to how it's go- that is not how yeah. it's going to work you yeah. have to sell yourself to a founder who does not need yes. to take your money probably won't take your money and you have to figure out how to get them to take it. Now, one interesting thing I would say is you don't actually need to just invest the earlier stage companies mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, when you're getting started, your goal should be, I want to learn how to do this. I want to get meet great founders. I want to be helpful. I want to build a track. Tell me more because that's a bit controversial. Angel investing by nature of it always seems to be about early, early stage you know, there are lots and lots of posts. I think Gokul, who's a prolific angel investor, Gokul Rajaram, he talked about like, what stage do you invest in to see what kind of returns at what valuations? There's this whole like matrix and stuff that he's Yes, yes, oh. but listen, so, but, but th- yeah. that post does not apply here because remember, we are not at the go- we are not trying to actually make money. We are not right? Gokul like, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Gokul, yeah, it, it's like, you know, like we're kind of working our way up like in Need for Speed or one of these games like, you know, Gokul's like the really fancy card. You get after you play for 35 hours and, you know, we are like the beat up, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to name any brand, like beat up <laughs> sedan that you get when you start off with badly goes. But the idea is like you level up and when you're trying to level up. So the, one of the things I think SIS people do is people go like, well, okay, but I, I don't know how to find these early stage companies. Well, you don't need to just find the early stage companies. You could find someone later on. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was getting started, I just wanted to work with amazing founders. So I would just reach out to, Series A, Series B founders, uh, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to add value. And then that almost always led to a conversation where that founder would usually offer you, hey, would you like to invest? And again, they don't need the money. They, you know, if they have raised like 10, 15 million, they don't need like $100,000. They're happy to just, but it's a token, it's a symbol. And that is very, very uh, uh, important. So I think even getting like a Series A, Series B company that you're hearing about is a great move. But, wh- uh, but why would you do it? Like, you know. Yeah. Because Why it builds, do you want to get into with later stage companies? Two few things. One, you want to learn how it is to interact with the founder. You want to learn how it is to add value. You want to build a reputation as someone who founders uh, uh, find valuable. Like the best thing that can happen to you as an angel investor 
is to have a reputation where people say like, hey, when my company is in trouble, when I need something, this is a person I call, right? Like, mm-hmm. And they are there. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get their reputation, like you have made it here in angel investing, a lot of people do not even get there, uh, or even right. close to there. So you want to get that. And by the way, that reputation does not need to be from a earliest, you know, probable to build garage. That can be from a series A, series B, even later stage company. And once you get the reputation, right, you're off to the races because now here comes the next part. Okay, let's say you've got a few of these companies. You've got like, you know, some one or two famous Series A companies. You've invested, uh, you know, a few of these. Now, you're hopefully what you're doing is you're actually providing value. And this means any number of things, right? This means, okay, you're being helpful. Now, you need to figure out how being helpful means. Now, what I have found is like a lot of founders don't know how to call their angels for help. Mm-hmm. And so if I were you, I would try and figure out a way to just try and be top of mind for the founder, which is like saying, hey, uh, you know, uh, let, you know, you know, this could mean some sort of a regular meeting, though often those could be sometimes a waste of time. This could mean things that you're doing ad hoc. I've seen agent investors do everything from come in, check in code, to do design, to build some financial model, whatever is required, right? Like they absolutely do it. Sometimes they do it even when they're not investors. Like very famously, I remember when Instagram just launched on the first or second day, they had all sorts of scaling issues. And the person they called is, actually somebody back in the news after many years is Adam D'Angelo. Like Adam D'Angelo had a reputation for being the person you call for scaling issues. I don't think he really knew these people and he just jumped in, helped them out, helped them scale. Um, and, uh, and you know, and they were always very thankful, Mike and Kevin. So you want to be that kind of person who's being helpful. Now, if the founder is doesn't know how to kind of use you, you need to sort of sometimes figure out, okay, hey, can I help on X and Y? And you need to figure, it's like a relationship. You need to figure out what yeah. the relationship is. Maybe something, sometimes there's not much to do. Maybe they just need you to, make a connection and that's also fine. Now, but if you're doing this, you're slowly building a reputation, right? Now, it's also very possible to build a negative reputation where you're not helpful at all or you're annoying or you're decreasing value. And then that is bad because everyone, future investments will call this founder and they're going to have not so nice things to say about you and that's going to work out Sorry, Um, I kind of want to frame this in two ways, right? What do you see, and I have my own thoughts on this, what do you see good angel investors do I think good angel investors, so I would say I put this in tiers of what is absolutely required and then what do you get bonus credits for. Yeah. Absolutely required is when the founder messages you and asks you for something, uh, either if it's important or within your power. Uh, if it is important with your power, absolutely, you just do it, right? And that could mean any number of things. That could mean I'm having uh, trouble getting to this company I see that you used to work there and you know the head of procurement or whatever, and can you just make an introduction and help the scale go through, right? Or, you know, I'm trying to get this account issue started and, you know, you seem to know someone uh, and it's a make or break situation for the company, right? A lot of companies have these sort of critical moments and you want to be very helpful. So if it is within your power uh, or if it's important, you want to do it. Sometimes it may not be urgent and important. It could be like, hey, I'm trying to hire designers or CFOs I've never hired these people, can you help in? Because that's where can you come and help interview? Those are the less that are important. So that is sort of the the innermost tier. But I think sometimes what winds up happening is often people do not know how to leverage you because they have a lot of stuff going on and you know, you're just one of many, many investors. In that case, I think it's on you to try and be a little bit on top of mind. And again, right, like I think the worst kind of way, uh, uh, so I think all of these have these pros and the kind of the flip mirror version, right? Yeah, wait, wait. Let's let's finish the the good The good versions, version. okay. Yeah. In the good version, an agent is trying to always be helpful without expecting anything in return, right? You're saying like, hey, I just wanted to say, hope things are fine. You know, if you're busy, you don't need to respond. 
but I was thinking of X, Y, and Z, or I was using your product, and here's what I thought, right? Product advice is always great. Finding your potential customers is always great. Chipping right. in is always great. Nobody's ever going to say no. So those are always like really, really, really uh, useful things. And yeah, I think if you're doing... I think, uh, yes, I agree with all of that. I think uh, in addition to that, at least being on the founder side, what I've seen from good angels, right? Um, rolling up your sleeves, helping in different ways. Sometimes just being a silent supporter is fine mm -hmm. too. And I'll get to this in the context of like a bad angel, that side of things. Uh, um, other things I've seen from like good angel investors, um, they will help you pattern match against other high-performing companies in their portfolio and be like, I've seen founders do this or I've seen founders, this founder sends a monthly update that consists of this. Um, and they kind of like set examples and set the bar for you on how to be a good founder. And it's a lot more easier for you to like learn from them because they've seen all these patterns and have done this many, many times because you're just in the silo, just, you're just building stuff. Like you don't really know how it should work, especially if you're a first time founder. So a good angel investor will help you figure out how to be a good founder. The other thing I've seen, and this has happened to me, is good angel investors will jump in and almost be like an employee in the company and help you figure out like really gnarly situations. And it's not just like helping like hiring or helping whatever, but negotiate on your behalf. Um, say no to people on your behalf. And just like, you know, basically pinch hit for you and be your champion. And, you know, in some cases, that's just blown me away. So willingness to help and actually like, getting in there and helping and being this champion for the founder goes such a long way. Um, and it just helps you. And, uh, you you know, founders, trust me, they will remember you for a long time uh, when you're actually willing to go help and do things like that. Now, other things that I've seen them do is put you in touch with other founders because uh, often they realize that founding companies is such a lonely job and you really have no one to go talk to. I've seen some good angels put you in touch with like, hey, here's like another founder who's like similar profile, different company, different kind of context area, but I thought you guys should connect kind of thing and just do these really smart introductions for you um, and uh, just be try and like help out there. So those to me are like just personal examples where I've seen good angels come in and shine um, and, uh, and, and, and just be helpful as such. I agree on all of this and uh the interesting thing about this is like your reputation will spread very quickly if you do these. Like for example, I just use the Adam D'Angelo story. There's a lot of stories like that and it spreads. Yeah. Which maybe is maybe an interesting next part, which is what you want to do is to be seen as the kind of person founders want to work with. Okay. Yeah. And uh, if you have that, that is hugely, hugely valuable asset. Uh, it's going to last you forever and you want to grow and nurture that. So, okay, great. Now you've invested in a few companies. You know, you're helping, you're pinch hitting, you're helping the founder. Uh, oh, by the way, wait, 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 you forgot something. What do bad agent investors do? Okay. I was hoping you were going to get to that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, before, okay. Let's maybe, let's maybe stack rank this in terms of worseness. The worst thing that a bad agent investor can do is to actively harm the company. Okay. And you have probably a lot of stories, right? Like I want to maybe list out a few um, people who don't sign documents, people, you know, who <laughs> demand uh, updates, right? Like if you are, putting a tiny amount of money, right, like uh, uh, compared to a lot of other investors, like, you know, the company has a lot of stuff going on. You don't want to actively create extra work for them, right? So whether it is like sign the DocuSign 
or uh, you know, don't be you know the person who kind of pestering you for things. Uh, you know, you don't want to be the person who's like actively negatively harming the you know the company or detracting from what the time that the founder could be spending more productively. Yeah. Okay. So bad angel investors. One, you know, obviously the time part of it. It's like uh, I I've seen investors who just like ping you constantly like you'd send the monthly update and then there's like 20 follow-up questions and then you answer every one of them and then there's like more there's more and then they would like drop by at the office i've literally seen this happen right like they've just come by come by and be like i was just in the neighborhood and i'm like dude i don't have time like what i can't do this i can't drop everything and just spend three hours with you i know the intent is to help but it just takes away time from like actually building the business and sometimes you just want to be like, you want to be polite, but you also want to be like, I got to go focus on just doing this thing. And so taking away time in a way that is not like super constructive, um, I think that's one. Two, um, big red flag for me is they commit to investing. Like you do the pitch, you work with each other, you talk through the whole thing. Like, okay, what are you willing to invest? Do you agree on a check size? You agree on everything. And then, you know, Either they totally ghost um, and just completely like stop responding to you. And then magically like a month or two months in, they like check in on you and be like, have you, have you closed around? Have you not? And sometimes that is basically done to make sure that they think that you can actually close around without them. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of want like another signal of legitimacy. And so they would come back, like circle back in a couple of months and be like, just wondering, so sorry, I forgot to like sign these docs or like, you know, close this loop on you. So how is it going? And uh, and kind of do that. that. That's just like bad behavior. Don't do that. I've had one investor who'd, um, who agreed on everything, was great, this guy's you know, pretty famous person too. And then like a month later came in and said, you know, we agreed on this valuation, but I'm not comfortable investing in a valuation. So can you like cut it by 50% and I would put in the same check. And you're like, but it's very unfair for everybody else who's like agreed to come in at this thing and we've all agreed on this. And and what this person told me was, um, oh, for them all, you can just keep it that that valuation. For me alone, just like uh, undercut. And uh, I won't tell them anything. But, you know, you and I, like we'll have like a special agreement. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do stuff like that. It's just, you know, and all of this falls under this cohort of like, don't be a sketchy angel investor. Like don't yes. do sketch things. Um, because, you know, all of these will just come and bite you. And these are like just these optimizations that are just not worth it. Don't haggle. Don't try and like, you know, agree on something and then like renegotiate or pull out, like do stuff like that. It's just like not a good practice. You're also taking away time from this founder who should be actually working on this company and building this business. And instead they're just like figuring out signatures on clerky or whatever and re- 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 reissuing safe notes and doing all of this stuff and it's just like not worth it on them yeah and you also don't want to incur like legal costs on behalf of the founder because guess how they are paying those legal bills through the money that you're like sending them or wiring them you're yep. literally costing them this stuff so don't do yeah. that oh gosh there's a lot of stories in here right like you know maybe we should have a we should have like a paid product where we reveal the names of the people, you know, who have done these bad things. So that'd be great. Uh, that'd be a fantastic episode. I know exactly who you're talking about in that case. Uh, okay, we know people who are listening to this episode might be curious as to, we have not covered maybe the topic people thought we were going to cover, which yeah. is what is a good investment? Because so far, we spent all this time talking about uh, uh, how to get yourself branded, how to, uh, you know, not be a jerk to a founder, how to be helpful. 
but there has been nothing about like how do you actually be a good investor, which, which is I think indicative of when you're starting off. Um, you know what I think you should be trying to do often is just to go along with in investing from other fantastic investors uh, before you build taste and build your own frameworks. But maybe it's time to get to that. Uh, once you've done this for a few times, what happens is you start getting. Uh, you know, companies sent you away. By the way, the only way you get companies sent you away is if you send companies to other angel investors. So uh, deal flow is the only uh, uh, sort of currency that has value in this universe. But also if you start doing that, you'll start very quickly that people can send you away because it's not competitive. Unlike in venture capital where you can only have like one lead investor, for angel, you can have multiple people. So you just want to be seen as helpful and, you know, uh, and somebody sort of pays it forward. Uh, now, let's say you're doing this very, very quickly. I went from not doing any angel investing many years ago to within like four or five months and I started doing a couple of these, I would start getting multiple inbounds every week, which is be like, hey, you know, I'm at this company, they're raising so much money, they're so-and-so, would you like to meet them? And so then you need to start doing basically pitches, right? Uh, and look, there are many, many, many podcasts and books and articles on, you know, what makes a great company. You know, I don't want to recap all of that. What I would say is something like this, which is first I have a system, which is when somebody sends you an introduction, respond quickly, go meet the founder. And what I want, what I've tried to do is a few things. And in some way, some of these is carried on when I became a full-time investor. The first is when you're being an angel investor, you're often in the earliest of stages. So they don't really have much of a product or the company is very, very early. So you're really judging the team. So first is first you want to sort of pitch yourself and you want to say who you are and what you're about and what your story is. Second is in this meeting, um, you want to find out their story. You want to find out, hey, uh, what has led up to this? Uh, what are highlights in their career? It is usually very rare for somebody to uh, not have had momentum or highlights in their career to suddenly figure it out with the company. On the other hand, if somebody's had a track record of building amazing things, that's usually a good sign. Oh, you know, I often look for, and this is a term I think I took from Balaji Srinivasan, the idea maze, which is, has this person really spent a lot of time thinking about this? Like, for example, if you're talking to, I don't know, an ex-Instagram product manager who spent five years thinking about social media and he's building a social media app, this person spent some time thinking about it. But if they're building something totally different, maybe it works, but maybe they haven't spent enough time thinking about it. So you want to really figure out how this person spent time uh, 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 thinking about it. I, for me, and everyone has their own model, for me, those two things, which is their track record of success and how much time they've spent working on it, thinking on it, one or the other, is often really key. The other variable I would say maybe, which is a little bit further ahead, is their ability to, what Alex Rampal would call manifest things, which is, have they been able to, in a short period of time, get a hire, which is like a co-founder, that's a hire, uh, or get their first customer? Have they been able to maybe raise other capital? Uh, because a lot of building a startup is being able to take things the universe does not want you to have and get it. And can you build, bend the universe to your will? So does this person have yeah, a track record or have they shown evidence with this new company of being able to do that? So those would be my primary things. But I mean, you still act today, Jinnas. You do a lot of this. Like, what do you look for when you're meeting a founder? I do, yeah. Um, I invest about one to two companies a month now. I think all of those signals sound good. It's it's very, it, it's there's no like set criteria. You know, sometimes people would like 
be like, oh, but what if, you know, founders will like listen to this and game this? Can I, look, if they figure out how to game this successfully over a period of time, great, then they deserve, you know, being able to fundraise and build a company and all of that. So I think all of those, I think a signal sounds good. Like, you know, talk about you, your story, why you're doing this. Two, you are the expert in this uh, problem space. So you need to be able to convey um, why, you know, um, what the company is, what you're building, what the what the vision is, why did you start this, what your motivation is, um, what is like future success state going to look like? And to the best of your ability, right? Like some of these companies, especially in the angel stage, sometimes, you know, it's like, it's an idea with like kind of a product, but really not much more than that. Has a few customers maybe, or even just signups. And so you may not have this fully painted out vision, but that's okay. Like being able to like walk through the idea maze and like what you've thought through and what you haven't, I think goes a long way. I look for founders uh, with interesting backgrounds, you know, especially if they are like backgrounds where they have no business doing what they're doing right now. Like, you know, be, especially people who have like chip on their shoulder, they've been able to like overcome some adversity and it doesn't have to be adversity as such, but being able to like do something really interesting. And it could be, you know, when they were in high school or college, they did this project and, you know, being able to showcase that they went out of their their, their linear trajectory and did something unique, interesting, solve something, build something, scale something. I look for, you know, founders who are just different in some way. And that I think always stands out. Um, and I gravitate towards that. The other thing that I look for is uh, persistence. Just this like, they almost sound like they're just like adamant and they're just like, you know, so bullish on this one thing that they're doing. And you can kind of, and you can always tell the difference between that versus like just arrogant, you know, they just like refuse to take feedback kind of thing. Um, but I like founders who are just persistent and gritty. And, you know, I think, uh, sure, I'm like, I think when you and I, when we first spoke to uh, Travis Kalanick a few times, the first couple of times we were like, yeah, you know, like I can see that. Uh, yeah. There are these people who you'd like run into uh, where you just like fit that pattern where you just, you will not bet against this founder, right? Um, and uh, I want that and I want to see that in a founder because starting a company is one part of it, but building it, this is like a decade long thing if you're doing it right, right? And so you want to be able to showcase that you've got it. You can solve problems. No matter what comes your way, you'll be able to go solve it. And you can scale, you can hire, you can fire, you can do all the uncomfortable things. Um, you can fundraise over and over and over and over again. And uh, for you to like demonstrate all of that, like this is basically your future, the whole decade playing out in front of you. You want to come across as like, I can go solve these problems. I'm persistent kind of thing. Um, and I think I look for that. I think there's one more thing, which is angel is a very deeply personal thing. Uh, unlike when you're a professional full-time investor where you have a duty to the people who are giving you money to actually invest it. When you're an angel investor, investor it's personal. Right? You can do whatever you want. It's your money. And in that case, I think one question for you is when you meet a founder, it's like, do I want to interact with this person for many, many years? Like, is this the kind of person that I want to be on a late night phone call with that I wind up helping? or I don't want to deal with it at all. And I think that's going to be, that is a question which I always used to have at the back of my mind. I think maybe in some ways, everyone always has. The worst thing for you is to make an investment and then five years later, 
you're like, I just really did like the person at all. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm now, you know, I'm not on the cap table. I'm now stuck. Okay. So, you know, if you've done this for a while, you know, what do you, in a year or so, what you're quickly going to find is two things. One is you're starting to do more investing. So you probably mm-hmm. had, um, you know, say five to 10 investments, you know, they're writing these small checks. And by the way, if you ever have a founder push back and say, I need to take more money, that founder is wrong. Um, and, and here's why. If you had a founder, it costs no effort to get uh, somebody in for a small check, any modern platform, uh, the Cardas, uh, et cetera, of the world will absolutely handle that for you. And I will tell you, if you're a founder, the difference between somebody having $0 in your company and even $5,000 is huge for that person. You don't need the money, but for them, they now feel committed. They're now tied to you forever. And I've seen people go to great lengths, uh, people with great amounts of wealth for the smallest amount of money because they feel connected to you. So if you're a founder, you should never ever turn down someone for writing a small check, right? Like there is no logistical reason to go do it. You can always ask for more. There's always a logistical reason to do it. In some ways, it actually uh, helps you to ask you for a smaller check because in that case, you can get more investors too, uh, uh, which earlier. Really, yeah. Anyway, so always uh, small checks are always a good thing. And if you're an investor, let's you do this. You spend a year, you get like five to 10 investments. Now, it easily takes a year or two or longer for you to figure out what you're doing right or wrong. It is impossible in the first six to months, year, maybe even more, to know whether you're doing any of this right because it takes such a long time to figure out are these companies going to do well, are they going to fail. Usually about the year, year and a half in, you get some sort of signal, yeah, they're going to figure it out. Um, and then you should absolutely go back and look at, okay, so for all these investments that did well, what were the systems and lessons I can learn? You know, it yes. could be, um, hey, you know, I had a great feeling with the founder that like, you're always great. Uh, these came from these kinds of investors or these were kinds of things that I look for in the business model uh, or uh, they had this background. Whatever the case may be, you can start building a thesis. Uh, of, okay, these are the kinds of companies I look for. This is what works for me and I'm going to really focus on that. And if you end up doing that year and a half or two, you're going to have a bunch of investments, some of them doing, a lot of them will not be doing well. That's just the art. A lot of most startups die. Uh, some of them will be doing well, maybe one or two are doing really well. Then, But more importantly, you have a framework, which is this is your system of where do you find investments? What do you do in the meeting? Uh, uh, what makes you decide yes or no? And then how do you wind up helping them after? And then you, congratulations, you are a full-fledged angel investor. Yeah, I, I think it's great advice. Um, <clears throat> I'd never thought about it that way. Um, but you're totally right. I think uh, it's very hard for you to figure out whether angel investing is working for you if uh, you've only been doing it for six months or nine months or whatever the time frame is. Because the the arc of these companies it takes so long, and especially you know we said this in the beginning, you shouldn't be doing this for financial reasons. Uh, you shouldn't be waiting for like that pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. It's not happening. So um, you know you don't know if it is working or not. So how do you know to yourself whether you are a good angel investor? I think one thing that I've been doing, um, and maybe this could be useful for a few folks here, is to basically just start a simple spreadsheet, right? Like I'm sure you all, when you start getting into this, you track stuff on like which companies you invested in. But what I tend to do is to, I I have uh, other columns. One is like founders and uh, the backgrounds there. You know, this is a technology founders, uh, product founder, whatever, and uh, what is like the co-founding team and what did they comprise of? I uh, look at uh, what was it that was interesting to me 
uh, and I write like a small description or a paragraph, just not like a huge thing, a thesis or anything. But uh, I actually kind of borrowed this from uh, A6GNZ. When you get uh, rejection letters, um, um, or you know, I, I've seen Jeff Jordan do a really good job of this, for example. Just like he he would write this like super thoughtful. This is what I want to see. This is what uh, I expect to happen. And uh, and as a result, this is why I'm not investing right now kind of thing. And uh, I kind of do the, I take that and I do the reverse of it. It's like the reason I'm investing right now is this is what I've saw. This is what is interesting. And this is kind of like my deal memo as such. Mm -hmm. uh, that is yeah. like a paragraph of sorts uh, that I write down in a spreadsheet. Because what tends to happen if you've done, done this for a year or a couple of years is you forget why you were excited about this company to begin with. And so you want to make sure that your hypothesis and your thesis and is is, is you're true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this is like a way for you to like hack that system because oftentimes this becomes this like popularity contest. Like, oh, that really famous person wrote this check. So I have to write this check too kind of thing. And this is a way for you to like shield yourself against that. It's like, why did I want to go do this? What about this company was interesting to me or the founder was interesting to me? And I just write this up. And then I kind of check in every year or a couple of years when I look at the spreadsheet on like, is that hypothesis still true? Is that still valid kind of thing? And, you know, in some cases I would like write another addendum or like have a column kind of thing. But for the most part, I just leave it as it is. I love that. I think that's great. Uh, like a decision log, that's perfect. I should have done that. It helped me a lot. Because I think one thing you're pointing out, it's not, it's not that you forget. I think what winds up happening is you remember a different variation of what yes. happened. Right, yes, like exactly. I, you don't actually remember what you felt because a year later, let's say the company has done well, you remember all the good things, and the company has done terribly, you remember like all the the bad things, and but you're not getting a honest in the moment uh, uh, representative why, and the why could be anything. It could be like, hey, you know, two of the most famous people I know asked me to really do this, or uh, you know, or I just didn't. You know, I think that person was not being truthful about some part of the resume, whatever it is. Uh, you know, you should be honest yourself. But this is great. Uh, I think if you wind up doing a lot of what this episode talks about for a year or so, you're very, very much going to be on your way. So I wanted to say one thing, right? Um, and, you know, I haven't talked about this to Shriram before. So this is, you know, this is all wow. like, is it's just what I wanted to go convey. But you know, I've seen Shriram kind of get into like angel investing many years ago. Like, you know, there was this like before when we had not invested in any companies and Shriram was the first one to start. And then there was this after and uh, and I think a lot. I've seen him do a few things that is like very unconventional compared to what I've seen other angel investors do. And like I've been on the on the founder side, you know, getting checks from angel investors, and then you know on the angel investor side. So I've seen both sides of this. But the one thing I've seen with Shriram, and uh, you know, and the, and he continues to do this with respect to being a VC at Andreessen Horowitz now as well. Is um, I've seen very few investors have you know really good operating capacity like scale something build something credibly like you know showcase that they've like you know built product or like an engineering expertise or whatever and Shreyam would like do that he'd be like you know oh you're thinking about this uh you're building this like ad network thing and this is kind of how I can go add value like and and he would do this just as like a way to be helpful like genuinely just does it which I think is like there's just something there about like not expecting something in return or not being like, aha, now I did, said that to you. Now let me write you a check kind of thing. It's just like, I'm just going to like give this away 
I just want to be helpful. But also, I've seen Sriram do like really crazy things. Like, yeah, I think when um, getting people out of like Twitter hell or, um, you know, just like getting people out of trouble in different yes. ways where you've like leveraged people you've known or leveraged like, you know, some past relationship uh, and being able to like unblock founders, whether it is like, oh, my Google Ads account got blocked or my Twitter handle was like suspended or something. And I've seen him basically like drop things and just like get on phone calls oh. and figure this out and just like unblock them. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, man, if I'm starting a company, this is the guy I want on my yes. cap table, right? Like, I just want that because this guy like goes out to bat for people without really knowing them. So I don't know. You just want to have people who like be your right. champion and support you. Ladies and gentlemen, marry someone who's going to hype you up as an angel investor, right? That, oh my God, this good. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'll say this. One, a lot of it's true for you. And, and, and I'm not saying this just because I have to. But I think one thing that Arthi does for her companies, which I can't do, is since she's a founder, I think she can connect to a lot of founders through a lot of the trouble of building companies from her own experience. And that is so powerful if you talk to a lot of the companies you're involved in. Um, but thank you. That was great. This was great. Yeah, this was a fun um, episode. This was a really fun episode. I, I tend to think, you know, angel investors, like I, maybe at some point we should cover this too. I tend to think a lot of angel investors don't really understand what it is like to be a founder. Um, mm -hmm. Especially if you're a kind of angel investor who's like had like a fang job, like you worked at like a Facebook or a Google for many years and you've set aside a little bit of like disposable income that you want to go deploy. Sometimes the misconception is like, oh, the startup is just a smaller version of what you're doing at this big company kind of thing. And they expect like the same thing to go apply. But, you know, not to like, you know, romanticize founding a company, but it is very different. And and it is hard in different ways. It's easier in some different ways. It's very, very hard to get into the mindset of what it is like to be a founder. I remember when I was starting uh, my company where, you know, there was like a time when, I was customer support, but I was also the engineer building out the website. And uh, that particular day, uh, I think our printer ran out of toner. So I was standing in line at Costco buying this toner mm -hmm. and a customer had called uh, the, the support line, which is basically my cell phone. And you know, I was like standing in line, fielding a customer support call, buying this toner, being like, wow, this is the most like unglamorous story of being a founder, right? And I don't know if like angel investors getting into it, if they've never like been exposed to it, just understand that. And so I think part of it is like just having empathy for the founder. And if you can't help, if you don't have networks, if you don't know, you know, what this company or business is about, even just offering support, like reading the monthly emails or whichever is like investor update and just replying and being like, oh, great job. Or, oh, this was interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Or, oh, I learned something today from this update or just offer positive support, energy, momentum. And I think that goes a really long way. Like you have no idea if founders often think that nobody cares about what they're doing. So just you being there and responding and checking in, I think really goes a long way. I agree. Those are great. Uh, that's a good lesson for everybody, every kind of investor. Wow, this is a fun episode. Um, okay, if you listen to this, uh, you know, like, like, there's a lot more we can cover. Um, let us know what is useful, what is helpful. I think a lot of people I know who listen to this are thinking or want to become an angel investor. They don't know what it means. So uh, let us know if this helps address any of your questions, if you do wind up getting into it, or what your experiences are, or what else you want us to cover. But uh, this was super fun. Cool. Next week, same bad time, same bad channel. This is <laughs> and Sriram. See you, folks.
Ja, on lait.